Hello and welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. Going to look at print from November, December 1988 at Graphic Design Magazine. But before we do, I want to tell everybody, like, follow, and subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe YouTube channel. Hit that bell icon below this video to be notified when we post new videos. It'll help It'll help you stay ahead of the kayfabe effect curve. Uh, you'll be notified when we post a new video, so you can be the first one to go looking for it on eBay, Amazon, or your local comic shop uh, before those prices bump up or before the book sells out. Um, we also ask that if you enjoy the videos, let them play through to the end. What that does is makes the videos easier to find on YouTube for uh, other comic fans that may not already know about Cartoonist Kayfabe, and that is how we grow the channel, so thank you very much for that. But Ed, today we're going to look at a, uh, a graphic design magazine, comes out in the late 80s, and it's dedicated to comic books. Uh, kind of a different perspective on comics, because you get a bunch of guys, you know, I always say graphic design, the other art form that is words and pictures. You get this different perspective, though, because those people are coming from advertising, package design, printing, all these different industries but now they're looking at comics and where comics are in the late 80s. There's uh, even a bit of a mea culpa in the initial editorial piece talking about we're going to be looking at comics, but you, what you think of as comics is probably so, like vulgarity, something for kids, something that's to be thrown away, yada yada. But comics are changing, and comics have been a different thing. And uh, at this point, everything in this mag is stuff that we all know. But you can't take for granted the fact that like this just was not talked about in the in the eighties so much, you know, like back back in the day. So like all the stuff that's covered is stuff that we know pretty well. But you had to have that conversation outside of of the the microcosm of comics. And this issue of a print magazine is very tasteful. It is, and I'm I'm lingering here on the table of contents. You can see some of the contributors: Art Spiegelman, Paul Gravitt. Uh, Gary Groth. High quality content is in here. Um, and this is an entire issue. Uh, you'll see as we flip through a lot of these ads for, um, you know, various softwares, hardware, printing, ink, paper, and stuff like that. How about this little bit of, a, of an ink ad calling out some uh, Dick for, Tracy art? For those rotring art pens that I freaking love with the cassette. Yes. The little cartridge. But, uh, you know, you can see, like, this is definitely a different magazine than, uh, say, Wizard or something like that, comic scene, any of the stuff that we're used to. By the way, like, this thing was fantastic, like, just going through all these, like, what you're feeling here is different kinds of paper stocks that, that they're selling. Almost everything in here... Markers. ...completely obsolete. Yes. And image projector machines and, like, uh, the, the little slide carousels and junk. HBO involved in, like, this, this kind of uh, optical game... Uh, you know, early in the, in the, I guess, history of HBO, if you will. But, you know, why not? Like, you'll see things like Kodak and these different industries that are about lenses and, and color and things like that. And so you see a little bit of it applied here, but you're right about this being, like, obsolete. I was going through this issue and spent a lot of time on love these it, ads. Love it, um, Pretty fascinating. We just saw Milton Glaser. Yes. Creator of the, the, the real DC logo. This stuff's really cool because it's, like, paper samples showing off how good color ink looks on their papers. And in Stuff some cases, it's almost take... like the paper's woven together. Like, they're really it's like expensive. Linen. Yeah. yeah, it's linen papers. All right, so we're getting, we're kind of getting into the, the meat of the issue now. 58, page 58, to give you an idea of, like, this is what magazines were, you know? <laughs> advertising used to actually uh, print, print, and magazines and advertising used to be a huge industry. It's so weird to think, like, all of this is basically gone. It is. It's not yeah. just the tech. 
like the entire format and industry is, is kind of over. Totally. But um, as you were saying, Ed, it, it's really interesting because like you get the introduction. This is written to people that aren't necessarily comic book readers or know anything about comics, but appreciate the graphic design, the, the illustration, the images. And so it's kind of like, hey, everybody, comics aren't for kids anymore, right? Right, right. Except it's not the cheesy version. Right, like, that's true. Like it's it's getting into some some real names, and I, th- and it, it'll it'll hit what would be considered esoteric material. Like Dan Klaus Lloyd Llewellyn is com- or comics that are mentioned here. I had to th- I have to think that like this first off, this magazine is a bible of graphic design people, art directors, and such. Right. To have your name mentioned in here probably got you know Klaus a couple of couple of jobs that made it possible for him to keep doing comics yeah um charles burns does a bunch of stuff with one of these big paper uh manufacturers it's not mohawk i forget which one it is but like you can find those on ebay and i always thought like somebody should do that you know they should partner with one of these paper companies and do like alternative comics in color you know beautiful printing and stuff and it turns out they did with some of these people so who knows chicken or egg you know what came first but like burns definitely did a bunch of stuff with with some of these high-end paper companies let's let's speak chicken and egg a little bit uh and the genesis of this issue was somebody from print magazine went and saw art spiegelman give a talk yes and was blown blown away and was like we have to do an issue of print magazine like this and basically commissioned art spiegelman to do his spiel in prose Yes. With visual examples. Yeah. And, and you'll see as we flip through the article, like he's pointing at those examples with these blue arrows. It's kind of a neat, uh, a neat way to call out the, the visuals that you need to understand he, that he's referencing. And this is like well done graphic design because it's like a nice light, you know, just 100 percent cyan with no other color. This is what gets abused in the 90s. Like when we get, get into those wizard magazines where it's like white type on top of like a photograph or something and it's just the plates are mixing and you can't read the words and uh if you've ever seen art spiegelman speak or you get the opportunity to he came to pittsburgh i guess in the early 2000s and gave a version of this talk and it's it's i i loved it so i highly recommend it if you ever get a chance to see spiegelman speak but this is really history of comics and the evolution of comics and you can see why this would appeal to a graphic savvy audience you know like these are amazing visuals um both historical and as like design uh elements hitting hitting all the marks yes hitting all the marks man like getting into crazy cat we just saw lionel fenniger on the previous page uh some of his art is at the carnegie library here in town yeah good good call um pointing out like sort of the this is comic strips getting into kind of comic strips and what comic strips are capable of and a little bit of that history. Uh, this is funny because early Fletcher Hanks appearance, but he calls him uh, Henry Fletcher. So very early on. And I, I sympathize because I try to keep straight all these different cartoonists that I think about and uh, a lot to uh, a lot to keep organized, but very early days for this cartoonist. I mean, think of how little of his art was even available at this time, because that's been uncovered over the last decade or two yeah and they were the first guys to do it uh specifically if i remember correctly uh with uh paul karasik said that it was that jerry moriarty guy it was the dude who put spiegelman and all those dudes onto this stuff and to be fair fletcher hanks had had um pseudonyms yeah so so like it wasn't that's very maybe true. completely clear that all those pseudonyms belong to like this one guy whose real name is this uh 
how about this for a powerhouse page? Harvey Kurtzman and Will Eisner. Yes. You know what I mean? Like this really is, if, if you're new to comics and you just read this article, you'd know more than your average comic book reader probably on, on the history of comics. It's Rory very Hayes thorough. discussion. Yeah. You know? Underground, you know, getting, getting through comics code. Um, Specifically talking about the kids whose minds were poisoned by pre-code books had to grow up and do underground comics. It's that whole thesis, right? Like, like uh, when when your mom and mommies and daddies start wanting this on your comics, and you bristle against it, you got to do something about that once you're once you're of uh, proper age. Amazing footnote about Squatron number six, the Bernie Krigstein issue. We could look at that sometime. I have a copy of that. But you know, talking about Master Race and and some context for EC, like this is amazing shit. 1988, like you're getting Bernie Krigstein talk. These are key comics, man. Like this is the page that. You know, if you don't think about the dick fingers Yes, page, I was going to say, that's the one. <laughs> uh, this is the other page, man, where, like, the, the nun's hair coming out of her habit is akin to pubes at a beach. Yeah, that's wild. But, man, what a page. S. Clay Wilson. Um, so, Paul Gravitt, then, you know, like, like what's... And, and we're going to roll through all this, but it's interesting, like, how broadly they survey comics. Yeah. You know, so this is looking at European comics. And, again, in, in the 80s, what did we have? Catalan? communication right, right. was bringing in some of this stuff heavy metal was bringing in some of this stuff but there wasn't a lot the conceit of this piece is like american magazine hey guys like for every other country or or specifically france and japan uh comics has been this way to these cultures forever and here are some examples yeah and mobius yeah so, of course great samples throughout this thing um you know, we'll be call, calling those out as we go. Uh, and you can even see that's a Catalan publication. Oh, yeah. Um, Lots of Catalan on here, man. Super is... important, the, the Catalan contribution to the 80s and, and our access to some of these international cartoonists. Yeah, you know, it's just so funny. Like, as a kid, I just ignored that stuff, man. It just looked too good. I, like, I don't even know the words. Like... Look, if you're buying Rob Liefeld New Mutants... This doesn't make sense. But see, because I, I, I had some of that too. You know, it's it's kind of that similar thing. But and the other pieces, a lot of this stuff is in like a more expensive format. That's true. Six sixth grade, I got hold of uh, volume two, number two of uh, of Raw, and it has a, a tardy strip in there, and it was like at that moment, it's like, like you're pulling me out. Like I'm not. I'm not really fucking with T this. Tardy's probably a rough example because he's so good. Like this, this is a really easy one to transition into. His yeah. art's amazing. It's it's uh it's pretty heavy. It's graphic. You know, like that, that that's a pretty simple. And you know, like this might be a little bit more of a stretch. Um, I don't even Javier Mariscal. Yeah, that, not a cartoonist I'm familiar with, but we, you can see like very different than the stuff I'm pulling off the newsstand. We covered some of that stuff. This is this is shit that's in raw. So so you know, Spiegelman was talking about like a a part of raw was for him to, to show off interesting adult European and, and, and Japanese comics. And we have looked at Mattioli, um, you know, both Super West and Squeak the Mouse. Pretty cool to see those pop up here. And, you know, Paul Gravitt, again, a guy who's written a lot about comics over the last several decades. One, one of the sad things that, that, we, that we sort of missed out on uh, in, the, in the wake of like 2020 COVID time was Paul Gravitt was, was gonna be coming to town and we were scheduled to have him at the compound yeah. And and have a shoot interview, go through some comics and stuff, and that just that just couldn't happen. Is that uh, Lorenzo Matotti? Yeah. Down there? Yeah. Incredible. 
So pretty good sample. Again, if you're not, uh, you know, if you're new to comics at all, even if you're just into American comics, this article is is pretty wide reaching and what it's what it's showing off. Raymond Briggs always interesting because I, I think of him as identifying as like a picture book artist, even though he's done a bunch of stuff that is clearly comics. Uh, but, you know, it depends on how comics are viewed where it's being published. Right. There's Matadi's Fires, um, one of the big 80s uh, imports, I think, pretty celebrated here. Dude's a baller, man. Yeah, for sure. You know, comics, again, you just didn't see anything that looked like that from uh, Marvel and DC, at least. I ate, I ate dinner at that dude's house with Dan Klaus. His bathroom, it's like a, like a gym, like a gym locker. It's the biggest bathroom I ever seen. Like, there's corners to it, man. Wow. Like, you walk around the corner. That's a, that's a, that's a European apartment compared to a, you know what, man? Like metropolitan like, U.S. here I'm, in I'm, New York or somewhere. It would, dude. The joint was in Gay Paris. I, I'd say it's a floor for a four floor building, but uh, and there's like a, a center bunch of steps, and you could go to like East Wing, West Wing kind of thing. And I think what he did was like he rents out like units on like the west wing you go up one set of stairs you go into his joint and then there's no floors all the way up it's just it, but there's still there is floors but it's all open space wow that's nice it was fucking sick dude. that's amazing it, there, and there's ladders and stair like like spiral staircase so what you're like, saying is they they appreciate this uh back home yeah like who's <laughs> doing well <laughs> good i love a successful cartoonist um Munoz and Sempea, we've looked at this, you know, mm -hmm. the, the center work. So again, it's interesting what's being pulled out because like this stuff sort of gets reprinted. Uh, maybe another publisher gets involved, Fanographics publishes some. And, and over time, it becomes like you have access to this, several editions of this now uh, available even here. Uh, I linger here. This is Francois Bouc, I think is how you pronounce it, The Magician's Wife. I had somebody gift me this book, Chris Pitzer, Ad House Books, big fan of this cartoonist. So got me a copy of the Catalan publication. Jeff Darrow, friend of the show, sent me one of his books, Bouncer, a Western, which, you know, a lot of European uh, graphic novels have that Western motif. Did you get that for Christmas? I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he sent, he sent, me, uh, he sent me a manga for Christmas. So it's kind of cool, kind of cool to, uh, you know, when somebody like that sends me a book, you bet I read that. So interesting to see uh, Book showing up here. Cartoonist Kayfabe is brought to you by the comic books that Ed Piscor and I make. And March is Cartoonist Kayfabe Month at your local comic book shop, starting with Hulk Grand Design. The uh, history of the Hulk celebrating 60 years of Hulk comics distilled down into two oversized issues that will be in comic shops in March, Hulk Grand Design Monster, and in April, Hulk Grand Design Madness. Tell your local comic shop to reserve those or to pre-order those for you now. Also starting in March, Red Room, Trigger Warning, Ed Piscor's Next chapter in the Red Room saga begins in March. Again, tell your local comic shop to reserve Red Room trigger warnings for you. Tell them which cover you want to pick up of Red Room trigger warnings. And that'll be coming out monthly beginning in March at your local comic shop. We also have books in print that you can pick up from your local comic shop, bookstore, online, wherever you buy books. WYSIWYG, History of Computer Hacking, an absolutely stunning book designed to resemble the early Macintosh computers and uh, nominated for uh, an Eisner for the design of this book. Red Room, the anti-social network, collecting the first season of Red Room comics. All four issues, plus a lot of great bonus material in the back. The history of hip-hop, told in four oversized, glorious volumes and available in these deluxe box sets. And the beginning of the 
Grand Design concept. X-Men Grand Design, three oversized volumes telling the the history of X-Men in one concise mega epic story. And uh, this is actually available in both oversized books as well as a collected edition, which is pretty hard and kind of rare to find. But if you do come across it at your local comic shop, pick that one up because I believe it's out of print. The books of mine that you can find in print are Plain Jane's, one of the first young adult graphic novels can see 500 pages kind of resembles a manga about a bunch of high school students who start doing public art around their ta their town and get in all sorts of trouble and street angel deadly scroll alive a homeless ninja on a skateboard published by image comics this is a full color book collecting eight complete stories of the deadliest girl alive again these books are available wherever you buy books your local comic shop bookstore online or even a good library and now back to our regular scheduled programming. Appreciation of Will Eisner. This is this is awesome because you know we get into comics, Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, that kind of stuff. You start to hear the name Will Eisner and the, and the spirit when you really like go seeking interviews and stuff, and you, and you hear this stuff. And at a time like this, like a magazine. To me, they get props for talking like Eisner. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying, and sort of avoiding some of that other stuff because because of what he brought to the v vernacular. And you know what they they call him? They they mention Ebony. You know, it's a 1988 publication. Yeah. Uh, they mention Ebony and the problems with that, and he addresses it. I don't think he addresses it all so great. But basically, he's like, he's like, you know, uh, any any new culture gets made fun of, and. Uh, you know, like we made fun of the Irish, so uh, you know, he yeah, he addresses it. We'll say. How about this for a, just an amazing graphic? Oh yeah. You know, again, if you've never heard of this, if you're not familiar with uh, comics history, and, and you're getting this in your uh, in your new issue of print, pretty amazing. And this this is written by Mark Barrier, this article who was the co-editor of the Smithsonian Book of Comic Books. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to give again some context of of. Uh, who's contributing these things you know like they are very insightful pieces and it's not by accident eisner too i think about him as being um you know in new york in the, in the 80s i mean at this point i don't know when he taught at sva if he had been phased out by 88 if he was still active there but you know you can also see kind of that lens of like who's available who's influential who's doing stuff actively now yeah um you know yeah. quite a scene because the magazine is coming out of new york so and and he's and he's you know doing the, the, his big books like you just saw contract with god um and it talks about like you know him wanting to do more than than just like your average superhero stuff but still like using a lot of that vocabulary but pushing it pushing yeah. it further yeah it's fun to see some of that some of those uh those ideas you know having having theater and, and movie influences talking about some of that stuff lighting all of that pushing it the, the sort of mature aspect of of this publication uh rears its head several times where we're not looking at, like we're not looking at Watchmen. We're not looking at Dark Knight. And Dark Knight, like Watchmen, is like almost completely omitted uh, throughout this thing in a lot of ways. And Dark Knight is mentioned uh, a few times, but always with disdain of some sort. It's Spiegelman is, is yeah, mentioning right. it, and in this Gary Groth piece, he mentions it, and he talks about like you know I hope people are gravitating towards Dark Knight for 
this reason and not that reason. And I think it's like, you know, some commentary of uh, the Paul Kersey, Bernie Getz, mm-hmm. 1980s, r- rather than like the bad artwork. Or, you know, he talks shit on the art. So uh, some of the artists that he's talking about are Crumb, Art Spiegelman, Jaime and Gilbert Hernandez, Harvey Picar. has a great piece about Picar and, and shows off some stuff and just, just how Picar is... Uh, so so it it begins well how does it begin like he gets into crumb and yeah crumb is the first one that he's sort of like now spotlighting i think it's interesting because i you know like i get into fanographics 10 years later late 90s and all it'd be a different list or the list would be much bigger at that point of like these accomplished alternative cartoonists but in 88 there isn't a ton yeah and so uh you know he's kind of profiling some of the names i just mentioned and, and crumb uh, impossible to pigeonhole, autobiographical, political, sexual, historical, phantasmagorical. Um, it's just interesting to think of like we're presenting some of these practitioners of comic books today. Let's describe them in their work. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great sort of way that he does it. So he does that, and he shows the virtuosity of the artwork. Then he jumps to Mouse, mm-hmm. and he talks about Gary Groth, like Art Spiegelman absolutely does not have the spectacle or drawing ability of Robert Crumb, but has the same kind of mature mature sensibility in the stuff that he's talking about and has like an absolute love of the form and it has and is like in love with the medium of comics. Talks about breakdowns as well. Yeah, sheer delight with the comics form. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's Again, you know, like here we're getting into starting to talk about Picar. Yeah, and and the Picar stuff is great because it's about like this is autobiography, and Picar is one of the best people who who doesn't um, try to. It's not Ernest Hemingway bullshit where you're trying to make yourself like the the hero of the story, and he allows himself to have like misogynistic thoughts, but might not act on them. But like he doesn't shield his bad thoughts from you, the reader, when he easily could, because his, his physical actions don't suggest certain things, but he's like letting you know inside of his mind, and he's not shy about that. Yeah. And I, as a man in life, like I, I knew him to be a guy who was just very honest that way. I wonder if you have to be. If, if you're going to be a writer, you almost have to have that honesty thing. Because it, how does it connect otherwise? And, and, and it, it doesn't mean that you're telling everything that you're thinking necessarily, but that ability to be conscious of it. And, 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 and by honest, I mean he's is who he is, and he doesn't give a fuck what you right. think. Like, that's what I mean by honesty. The illustrator here, Gary Shamray, I'm not familiar with him, but I look at this and I think, like, it's, it's kind of European looking. Big, like, it's a really nice look. Big time... Uh, Splendor artists like probably did the bulk of uh, the pages in like the eight, nine, ten, mm-hmm. like that, like that, like that era. You know, you get a little bit of chrome. Did he do anything else that you know of? I don't think so. That's, that's what I mean. Like outside of that, but but it does feel kind of that European, sophisticated. Even like some of the line work is almost like um, Jules Pfeiffer or something. You know, New Yorker or something like that. It's a different polish. Yeah, yeah. Looks good on these pages. Um, getting into the Hernandez brothers and talking about some of the their stories and the virtues of their storytelling. And, of course, you know, in my mind, like, the Hernandez brothers are what what like a new age of comics when yes. they show up. So, of course, uh, you know, touting them and talking about some of them. And, and then some other mentions, Peter Bagg, Chester Brown, Dan Klaus, 
uh, Gilbert Shelton, Dave Sim. Dave Sim, interesting to see uh, on the list. Jim Woodring. And here's your Frank Miller Batman Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> uh, let's see. Dirty Harry referenced in there. Uh, Bernard uh Goats? Gets. Bernie Gets, uh, Charles Bronson, Paul Kersey. I, I just am looking for that part where it's like, I hope people look for. Uh, one can only hope that it's the flashy. <laughs> I, I'm reading. Can you yeah, read yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, one, one can only hope that it's the flashy but often indecipherable graphics that have made a smash of Dark Knight rather than the politics. If Bernard Getz were to write a screenplay for Charles Bronson, this would be it. <laughs> Man, it's funny. People taking shots at each other within this pretty small world. Still still the case. Howard Chaikin called out as, as you know, as interesting cartoonist in this vein. So it's it's a pretty broad survey. You know, for 88, like, that's that's a heck of a list of names that, that you're getting a little profile of. Yeah, you know, when we interviewed Gary Groff... And he was talking about these books coming in. You know, he like he he sets gets the ball rolling with Levin Rockets, and then you get neat stuff, and then you get Lloyd Llewellyn showing up. Uh, the smile that he had on his face, like he knows what that is, man. It was amazing. It was the stuff that he he was been screaming about since the 70s of like yes. what comics could be. Like he in in the comic journal, he would do it so often. And what did he have to review? Werewolf by Night right. comics and shit <laughs> like that. And in that conversation with Harlan Ellison, he's talking about P. Craig Russell. I like P. Craig Russell. You know, this is no diss on P. Craig Russell. But, like, that's the height of comic book artwork right. that that era Gary Groth could imagine, like, being in the game. Like, that was the little glimmer of art that told him that, like, we could do more with this thing but it just nobody was doing it the undergrounds were done one of the great things of this magazine is that he calls out all these names you're gonna get a sample of all of them oh it's so good and you know what can you go back real quick because like death of speedy is done and this is just one of the most fantastic pages like like you have the this is a cop car you could tell like boom there's like a little bit of the rear view like you get a little bit of that and then uh, they go up to the car. Like, look at this floating character. Mm -hmm. These floating characters with just badges and heads and stuff. Goes up to the car. Doesn't say. It's the subtlety of the dialogue is everything. Ah, geez, Jerry, get on the radio. What's up? Like, like he's seeing some some bullshit in there. Going back to the Brian K. Vaughn conversation, that idea of like the cliffhanger pages, cliffhanger panels. Like, it just you have to see the next panel. Yes so good but you know that idea of like each of these showing up after love and rockets it's almost the way ideas go you yes. know somebody publishes some idea and then pretty soon they have disciples and then they're spreading that and they're building on it and or, it's almost like the reverse pyramid and that's what you get with love and rockets is just like oh this is a whole there's a million new pieces of vocabulary here for us to use just just like the kids who grew up with the with the pre-code stuff it, it might be also just be that hundred monkeys That's, thing mm -hmm. where it's it's just time like kind of i mean in a way the kayfabe channels that way like you and i were reading the same comics independent of one another independent of any kind of outside fandom and then you grow up and you become a decision maker and a maker of things and then something like this comes out like it's just there 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 are times and places all right so the new superheroes a graphic transformation and uh, this is where we're going to get some Watchmen and Dark Knight talk. But this is your this is your update of like even Marvel and DC aren't like the Marvel and DC you read as a kid. Like look at what's going on 
in what we think of as mainstream comics or, or kids comics, right. if you will. And so you get the survey there. Yeah, and, like, uh, he, like here's Superman's first appearance. Here he is. It actually doesn't look much different, but I get what they're saying. It's so funny to think of, because in my mind, it's like, it's such a graphic treatment, you know, and, and Lynn Varley colors and all these different ideas, but you're right. Like, whenever you're just looking at them side by side as an outsider, yeah, it's kind of the same thing. Kind of there, too. It's true. It's true. But we do get into, you know, the evolution of those comics and where they're at now. Um, I thought this was neat after talking to Walt Simonson is like some of the call outs to his lettering effect. Yeah. You know, some of the graphic design, I guess, would be, uh, you know, what, what you're seeing examples hunter. of. And then Chaikin, unbelievable. You know, like, look at that as a page design for... It's so atypical looking for comics, but yet, like, this fits within whatever definition you want to put out for comics, but really pushing it graphically in some new directions. Yeah. Really cool. Neil Adams, of course. So this is really a history of, like, here's where comics are in 1988, and here's how we got here. And you can't have a conversation without looking at some Bill Sienkiewicz. Absolutely. Toddlebin, the uh, that that reverse issue where he does the the images and then Alan Moore scripts. I appreciate that issue so much, man. But goddamn it, it's impossible to read. It's a strange one. Yeah, it's really cool to see like the stuff that gets called out. Um, Shatter, Mike Saints. Yeah, you know, doing some of the uh, some computer graphics, including his Iron Man, uh, Mister X, Grendel. Ken Williams. Yeah, Grendel. Yeah, painted uh, comics. I was thinking about Grendel uh, with that Howard Chaykin piece because every arc of Grendel comics, there will be different things. Like, like there's like an arc, maybe even around these ones, where it's where it's like eight panel pages and there's so much lettering, like like just typography. And then when you look at the Kamiko version versus the Dark Horse version, it becomes like computer lettering, like mm -hmm. in place of like the Art Deco-ish paste up lettering from the Kamiko issues. It's very interesting to compare and contrast that stuff. Yeah, these early days of like painted comics and how does that work? Yeah. That, that was kind of a kind of a big deal. Rick Veach, man. One of the greats. <laughs> one of good, my favorites. How good do these look? Oh, I love In them. print magazine, you know? <laughs> love them. They look amazing. Barry Windsor Smith, Miller. It's it's all, you know, like it's it's pretty good. Like in hindsight, I don't look at this and think, why would you include that person? Why didn't you include this person? Like it's it's spot on you know for being a magazine about graphic design they did a great job of actually assembling comic content yeah yeah unimaginable feat to be honest especially if you're coming in cold and, and your your interest in presenting this is going to sit in and see a um art spiegelman talk you know like because this is a lot of heavy lifting that's being done here it's a very dense issue yeah you know you pick this thing up and, and you've got a lot of good reading on your hands um miller of course dominant Interesting, Sienkiewicz gets a lot of, I think, uh, coverage, and now we get into our uh, into our Watchmen information. So, 1988, man, there was a lot to talk about in comics. Yeah. How about the watch? I feel like this is your controversial watch in the middle of, uh, you know, Alan Moore's descent. And... I don't even get a copy. <laughs> Made me think, like, what is that watch worth these days? I wonder. I, yeah, I wonder. And, you know, talking about, like, design looking good on the pages here, Dave Gibbons, man. Boy, that Watchmen design, just incredible. You know, like like how sometimes I wonder about this stuff. Nailing Watchmen. Imagine if this had, you know, a Charlton style title on it, logo. Jimmy, um, does Watchmen even? You know, like the impact is so great, and I I swear it starts at the design. It just announced this is something different. 
when when we sat and chatted, had the privilege to sit and talk with Dave Gibbons when we were looking through this la this final issue. He said it, and it's something that probably nobody has ever thought about, man, because because we we ha we have this complete thing. But it was a DC comic. It was running late, and it's possible that Joe Orlando or somebody could have been like, "We'll get a fill-in guy." To, to, like, do issue seven. It, that could have been. Yes. This is corporate comics. Like, we got to keep the trains running, and it could have been that. So, like, this could have gone wrong in so many stages. And even the fact that, like, they had their schedule, and then it got pushed into an accelerated mode, but Gibbons held fast and kind of, like, just did his thing. Uh, but still with that with that clock, that, that monkey on his back, you know? Um, amazing feat, nearly impossible to, to, to replicate. I, I, I would say, man, uh, on a corporate level. Yes. On like, I think that it could be done independently. This, uh, this piece wraps up and it's kind of reflection on, on comics and in the state of, and it's, it, I want to read a little bit here because, um, a typical Watchmen caption is a pun on the action picture or vice versa, like an ad headline combined with a dynamic visual, each meaning nothing without the other supporting it. And they talk about, you know, that gap is the subtle interplay between word and image that is the core and the challenge of comics. It's precisely this challenge which defines the new graphics of comic book art. And they have a, a Frank Miller quote about Bill Sienkiewicz that's kind of the same kind of deal where the illustrations are not really illustrations of what's going on. The narration isn't really describing what's going on either. There's a gap there and somewhere in that gap is reality. Uh, great, great ideas. And like you can kind of see filtered through the lens of we're printing advertising. So like think about how this is working. And it's like, I think about that a lot. I, I love those thoughts. Yeah. And like, like, uh, like ad, ad copy works that way a lot. Totally. Then, where, where, you know, the, the, the words that you're reading if you don't have that image to go along with it, it could sound like uh, you're having a stroke. 100%. Um, hey, but we're talking about comics, so that includes newspaper comics. Let's take a survey of that while we're while we're doing a comics issue. The last vestige, man. Incredible, man. And, and you know, you, you think of what they're covering. Graining, Gary Larson. This Sylvia strip was in our regular paper, even, even when I was a kid. And then I'm like, you know what? Let me Google this lady. Because, like, we had this. It's very crude. Uh, let me see what she's about. And uh, all of the best of these comic strip people are all like extremely well-educated people. And and like they could still have crudity to the art. Like even Kathy, Kathy Guy's white and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like it's cr it's crude art because the art comes later to the idea or the point of view. And Kathy in specific, she's not in here anywhere, of course, but... but um, she was given the opportunity she had shit drawing and the people at the syndicate were like listen we're signing you up three months you have to get better you, you, <laughs> you do the same thing every single day for for three four five months you're gonna get better uh bill griffiths was mentioned in here um you know we're seeing linda berry now yeah we saw just on matt graining so we're getting into the the alt weekly strips that's that's where uh you know burns would be a part yeah of. charles burns mark Byer, jerry moriarty drew friedman i think those alt weeklies and, and i think warren is, is working on a book of those i think that'll be a fantastic book to see because these are some great cartoonists and they sort of they're on the fringe because of alt weekly you know it's a different it's yet again one more model of the comics and, and how those exist zippy is one of those 
interesting things because because of just uh it's like uh like a bruise that you push or something to like the editors of of newspapers like there are people who absolutely love it it's almost like an extension of uh uh crazy cat or something where there are people who absolutely adore it people who absolutely hate it and don't understand it at all and it came from the underground but then it went to strips and yeah and if you're watching at home and not paying attention this is all bill griffith's zippy so you can see like his versatility as an artist like guy can draw a lot you know what's crazy too is like nowadays like he'll do a graphic novel every year or two and is still mm -hmm. continuing the show he's working more now as like a, maybe a 70 plus year old man than he has ever worked yeah it's incredible he had, has just had such a whiff of inspiration over the past 10 years and has just been churning out i mean he's just a complete workhorse and mark Beyer, drew friedman couple of couple of uh SVA oh yeah 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 uh, Friedman at least yeah yeah Mark Byer right I'm not sure whether he went to SVA or not I just always think of that Kaz story of him <laughs> coming to talk to the class so this is what your uh big baby strips would look like and and uh Burns told us he was just like like I drew you know three tiers strips but like only two tiers could be published so that's how it would look it would have the same masthead have fresh fresh lettering to tell you what happened last week yeah i think a collection of that stuff is will be really cool the alt weeklies oh yeah yeah yeah. a lot of different voices there um educational comics a message in a bubble uh gary panter how about that yeah yeah, yeah. that's just that's just <laughs> a, from the last article so this is a little bit of uh what i might call comics history in a way yeah it's 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 kind of um bookended because Spiegelman has a lot of that Rudolph Topfer mm -hmm. stuff and mentions of uh Bible stories going back to Max Gaines classic illustrated series I actually collect some of this stuff like whenever I find any of these kind of comics I pick them up um a lot of them were giveaways or they were you know maybe distributed in schools so they're not always that easy to find because I think they may not have been valued um sometimes they're self-covers Joe Dope Will Eisner doing uh doing his army manual kind of stuff i want to see that venereal disease harvey kurtzman joint i've never seen it <laughs> really i have a i have a printing of that oh really mm -hmm. oh fuck. i'll have to dig it out and uh we'll get into that so once again looking at some comics that maybe you don't even think about whenever you uh you know whenever you think of comics like these are the real war stories so yeah. you really get into like nonfiction, you know kind of entering this conversation of what constitutes uh, activism uh, really mm -hmm. like it's straight up activism there were uh corporate comics that would explain some of this stuff i had one that was on money policy monetary policy you know so like kind of dry stuff but also it's comics you know i have one on 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 i think it's the steel industry and i swear it's al williamson art it's so funny kid because that's the one that i'm like that's continuity continuity studios mm -hmm. that's new adams all right uh Japanese animation comics. This is probably the article where I think they missed the boat. Like this should have been time. this should have been manga and stuff existed. Manga manga exists at this point. Like get Frederick Shaw yeah, to exactly. come in and, and exactly. write about it. But I actually do like how all this stuff looks. And I had a couple of samples that I brought to um to to suggest like what this format is. Like here's an Akira book and it's it's film stills you know yeah. it's from it's from the anime as opposed to the actual uh like the manga artwork this is a little bit later this is the early 2000s tokyo pop put out a series of those um 
you know, and, and like, this is stuff that's eventually some of it would find its way here, maybe translated. So 88, but like, this is like 94, I believe. But again, pulling, putting together comics from anime stills is, is really what I would say about this. I don't know how big this was. If it was a huge movement in Japan, there were a few examples that I have from my collection that made it here in English. Those published by Viz. So it existed on some level, but I don't know if it was a huge thing or not. Like I say, I think they missed the boat in that manga, straight manga would have been the thing to talk about here. Yeah, absolutely. And especially 88, you're starting to see that come in. They showed the French stuff, you know? Exactly. Uh, when comics sold soap, I absolutely love this. Fanographics put out in their Fanographics Underground line a bunch of collections, or a, a collection of a bunch of advertising comics like this. So this article is funny because... Um, Apparently there was some pushback. Once they started doing comics and advertising in, in the 30s and 40s, it just came to dominate. Like the response was so great, you couldn't ignore it. But the traditional advertisers kind of hated it. <laughs> like, like this is bullshit. It's how it always goes. <laughs> but until television really kind of supplanted comic strips, you know, once they got into advertising, they were very successful for, for a decade or a decade and a half. So kind of excited to see that in there. And, uh, you know, just, just calling out your, your bibliography. So if you want some further reading, there are some places to, uh, to look. And I think that's it for the comics, uh, you know, other than your reference stuff, again, continuing that further reading. And a couple of the articles were pointed to the end. So you'll see, like, wrapping up an article on Will Eisner, for example, might be back here. Yeah. But, you know, publisher addresses and stuff, it's a hell of a resource. Very impressive. And there's a couple of these kind of objects I feel like throughout, usually maybe just an article. Like there was a Rolling Stone that had a, one of these comic articles that I would get all the time in high school in my library and just read it over and over about Watchmen and we'll Dark Knight and we'll stuff. We'll probably have to get that. We should, that, yeah. That, that, one, that would be one of those nostalgias for me. But as far as like a collection, this is the thing to track down if you're interested in, in the best like non-comics survey of comics. This one's pretty damn good. I just realized that it says comics. Yes, yeah, six-panel grid. Yeah. Six panel grid, kind of a CMYK homage a little bit. Yeah, I'm pleased with this issue in every way except for the manga part, but uh, not too bad considering what is in there. I wouldn't have thought of educational comics or advertising as rich uh, you know, veins to, to mine, and they do, and I'm happy about it. Leave it to the print guys to, to, to go there, man. You good to go? I am. Kayfabers, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell, we'll notify you when new vids are available. What's out there, Jimmy? Hulk Grand Design coming to comic shops in March and April. Tell your local comic shops that you want a copy. Let them know because they can still pre-order it. They can put pull an issue for you. Let them know what cover you want. And uh, you can join me on patreon.com slash jimrug to see some of my original art and how I make the comics I make. Red Room uh, Trigger Warnings, issue one, coming out uh, March 9th. Get your hands on that at your local comic shop. Get it put on your pull list. Get it put in your subscriber box. Uh, it's going to be coming out on a monthly basis for uh, four months. Every issue is completely self-contained, though. So if you see this video late, you hear about Red Room, you see an issue, grab it. You're going to get a complete story. You can read these comics at my Patreon right now today. Uh, for $3, you'll get access to the complete archive, including the social network. Uh, the anti-social network material from last year and uh, you can get to all these links at my link tree in the description below this video what else do we have jim subscribe to the cartoonist kayfabe e-newsletter at the links below this video you can also find cartoonist kayfabe t-shirts and merchandise at links below this video another great great way to support the channel uh give them those marching orders jimmy we're going to be on our way read more comics